welcome to Christ-Centered Identity. I'm so excited to share this message with you. Please share this with your friends. Get them excited about Jesus because it is all about Jesus. God bless you. You're doing, God, I thank you for the nature of heaven that's in this room. Holy Spirit, fill this room with your glory. Fill this room with your nature, God. I thank you for, for who you are and what you're doing, God. I just, we just earnestly seek your heart this morning, God. Father, I thank you for everything that you're doing. Lord. I, it's not about us. It's about you, God. It's about what you're doing. It's about who you are. Lord, and that's what we are transformed into is in your image, God. When we see us ourselves rightly, we come to know the knowledge and the understanding of who we are formed in, in Jesus' mighty name. I just feel like God said that there's a grace on this morning for us to dream again. There's a grace on this morning for us to see life differently. There's a grace on this morning for us to just hear God with a different set of ears. How many guys want to know God from a different perspective than maybe what you've been taught? You want to know God for who He really is and not just for what you think He is. Like, like our parents in society tells us who they think God is. How many guys want to know who God is but based on who God says He is? Amen? I don't want God, I don't want to define God. I want God to define Himself. Right? How many guys want people to, to define you? Or do you want to define yourself? You want to define yourself because you're like, I know me better than everybody else knows me. Right? So you want, you, want to, you want to have other people see you in the way that, that you see yourself. And if you look at Christ, if you look at the life of God, if you yield your heart to Jesus, you all of a sudden start to become what God's called you to become. You're not trying to be a better Christian. You're not trying to fight to do the right thing. You're actually loving Jesus. And when you love Jesus, your attitude, your behavior, your conduct, everything about you shifts and changes. Why? Because Jesus is the supreme authority in your heart, not your opinion. <laughs> not your not your thoughts on yourself, but who God says has, says you are. Amen. I want to say, take the pressure off yourself of performance. It's not about performance. It's not about having it all together. I'm the probably the most messed up person in the room, but I have Jesus, and I'm so thankful. Amen. <laughs> you're like, yeah, you're pretty messed up, dude. <laughs> it's all good. Have a seat. Have a seat. Well, thank you for coming to Youth Nation. I, I appreciate you guys being here. We have a couple new people in the room. Thank you for, for gracing us with your presence. Um, I believe that, that uh, my heart for the youth uh, in this church is that, is that we get to know Jesus personally. I don't want us to know him in theory. I don't want us to know him in thought. I don't want us to rationalize our way of believing through a philosophy of, of who we think Jesus is based on what society tells us, based on what other people tells us. But I want you guys to have a personal knowledge and understanding, relationship, and encounter with the God that, that created and formed you. Amen? And that's so important because, because there's a lot of people that live, that live as Christians by theory or by culture. But they haven't had a real encounter with the one that created them. How many of you guys have ever been encountered by God? We're like, you just, you're like overwhelmed. Like, oh my gosh, God is huge. Maybe at a youth camp, maybe at a youth service, maybe by yourself in your room. That's, that's where me and Jesus had the best time is when I'm by myself with him. I'm telling you, I've had so many visions and understanding of who God says I am when I'm alone with him versus like up here. Like, this is great. This is wonderful. I love teaching. I love sharing the word. I love Love seeing your guys' hearts get lit up for Jesus. My, my mission statement is igniting people's hearts to go after the heart of God. That's my whole life goal, is I want to ignite hearts to go after God. Like that's, I want to encourage you to go after Jesus. I want to encourage you to live from a different playing field. Do you guys know that we have an advantage on the world because we have the God that created it? <laughs> like you have an advantage. It's like an unfair advantage. It's called favor. It's a favor of God on your life. What's the favor of God? It's you having the Holy Spirit bringing you all wisdom, all encouragement, all understanding. And the, and the world's looking for that. The world's looking for that. They're looking for encouragement. They're looking for joy. How many guys people know people in the world that, that fill their life with all sorts of stuff, but they're never happy? Even this, how many of you guys know Christians that fill their life with all sorts of stuff, but they're never happy? I want to. I want to. I want to give you. I want to challenge you guys. Just thinking a little bit. The Bible says this: nothing was created on this earth or formed on this earth unless it was created through Jesus. Do you know that when you know, when you understand that you have Jesus, you have everything? Because Jesus is absolutely one hundred percent everything. There is nothing that, that that's outside of Him that is that will sustain you. Jesus said, "Taste and see that I am good." It's the it's the goodness of God that shows us our worth. It's the goodness of God that shows us 
who we are and how we are to live. If we understand the goodness of God in, in, in every aspect of where we're going in life, we all of a sudden have a different perspective on how life is going. We're not as good as life is treating us. We're as good as what he's done for us. Yeah? If you see the, the, the grace of God's hand on your life, you're all of a sudden now you're like, wow, this is actually really good. Even though you're going through the roughest thing ever. Right? I, I told you guys last week, because many of you guys don't know what I've gone through in the last, last month. Like, I literally couldn't go to work. I had no paycheck for a month and a half. That's a lot of money. For my family. A wife and one kid, she's, she's taking care of by another guy now. His name is Zach. He's cool. <laughs> but I, I, I have bills. Right? And some people, when those kind of things happen, they spin out. And they turn to things that they find comfort in. They turn to drugs. They turn to relationships. They turn to just little different addictions in their life to, to gain comfort because they're stressed out. They're, you know, many guys get off work and they go home and it's, it's beer 30. They've got to crack open the beer and, and relax. And, and that's, how, that's, how that's how they choose to relax, right? And what I'm saying is this, is that I, I didn't do any of that. All I found my, my comfort and my, my reliance was on God. And I, what I, what I, even though it was hard and it, and it wasn't fun, even though I was like, gosh, this sucks. But God, you're so good. Thank you for being good. Thank you that you're going to work all this out. Thank you that your plan for this situation is way bigger than mine. And God has just been coming through time after time. We've been getting random checks sent to us. Random money just, just landing in our lap. Why? Because God is faithful. The Bible says if a, if a, if a child asks for bread, would his father give him a stone? Right? God is so good, he, he provides all of our needs. So instead of, instead of letting life overwhelm you, let him overwhelm you. Right, right. That's the scripture I was just, I was, I've paraphrased, but yes. <laughs> right, right. God's good. Everybody say, say, God, God is good. Is good. Oh, come on, come on. Say, God, God is, good. is good. And he gives good gifts. He gives good gifts. Come on, say, he gives good gifts. And, he gives good gifts. and say, I'm a gift. <laughs> I, I want to explain to you guys something like, there's, there's, there's this mentality that we have that, that I, I want to break down these thoughts because I think sometimes as human beings, we, we so just take on whatever thought comes our way as a, a the truth. Someone say, shares something with us and you're like, oh yeah, well, that's a good idea. Then someone else comes along and says something else and you're like, oh yeah, that's a great idea too. And all the time you're like, you're living like this in your belief system. You have no like, like foundation under you. Right? You're like, you're just taking on everybody's bit of ideas and philosophies instead of being sure on a strong foundation. Right? And so my, my goal is this, is that, is that we as believers have a strong foundation under our, our feet, under our, the soul or our heart of who we are, the internal person of who we are, the very core of who we are. We have this, this surety underneath our feet knowing that God has got it all, he's got it all worked out. And trusting in Him in that process. And not only trusting in Him, but trusting in the, who God provides around you as, as the body of Christ to encourage you and to build you up in the faith of who Jesus says we all are. Amen? And so uh, I want to I continue in this thing. And, and, and the, the sermon title this morning is Jesus Coming in Clutch. Jesus Coming in Clutch. What does that mean? That means this. Jesus saved me just in time. See, I, I used to be, I used to look for things in all, all these other areas, but I found out that just in time, just before I was about to make the worst decision of my life, Jesus came in clutch. Just before I was about to step out and, and do something I shouldn't have done, and I got away with so many dumb things. How many of you guys have gotten away with a lot of things? Come on, be honest. Like your mom and dad don't know, right? God knows, <laughs> right? So you think you got away with it, but Jesus came in clutch. What does that mean? He, he stepped in the last possible second. See, I, 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 I remember when I was in California when I was growing up, and I remember when I was hanging out with all these, these guys, and this, this one kid was, started shooting a BB gun at us, and, and we were like, oh, what the heck? So we all, like, you know, I was growing up Christian, but I was, I was hood, man. I, 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 took, I took it to the streets when I needed to take it to the streets. And so, so I was, we were walking down the street, and there's probably 10 of us, and this kid started shooting us with a BB gun. So we all went over there, ripped him out of his window, and started beating him up. You think I'm joking? I'm not. <laughs> we did. 
right? And so we beat him up, and we, you know, like, God, you're a pastor. Why are you talking like this? I'm just being real, being honest. This is where I was at, right? This is what I was, this is how, this is how I was living, right? And so, so I, 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 we beat him up, and we, we, as we, we got done, we all walked away. And as we were walking away, this car come ripping past us. And we're like, whoa, what the heck? Right in front of us. All of a sudden, this little tiny car, and I swear there was 50 people in this thing. They all just kept coming out. You've seen the clown cars where the clowns just keep coming out? Well, yeah, these guys keep coming out, and they were not like small little clowns. They were big guys, right? They had chains and baseball bats and, and all sorts of like handheld weapons that they were coming at us with. And all of us were like, oh, Lord. So we, come, we, we go scatter like, like when the light turns on, the roaches scatter. Like, like we, 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 we scattered like quickly because we saw these guys were huge. Were, we were probably 13, 14, right around that age. These guys were like 18, 19, 20s. Big dudes, right? Well, come to find out. Well, I mean, let me rewind, rewind back. So as they're coming at us, I see this one guy coming at me with a baseball bat. And if someone's coming at you with a baseball bat, your first thought is, Run. thank you. So that's exactly what I went to do. So I, I saw him coming at and I turned. As I turned, I heard the, the wind of the baseball bat literally go past my ear. That close. Everybody said, Jesus, coming in clutch. <laughs> the wind of the baseball bat cut right past my ear. And so then I, I ran, I hid behind cars, I jumped in backyards, I got away as quickly as I possibly could. And, and what happened was all my friends scattered, and I'm like walking these neighborhoods. I'm in this neighborhood I've never really been in before. I'm trying to figure out how to get back to my friend's house. I'm lost, I'm freaked out because these guys are out here looking to, to literally kill us, right? And so, so we, 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 they all find their way back to the house, and I'm the last one to show up in the house, and they're all in there, you know, smoking weed and hanging out and doing all those things, and, 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 I, and I walk in, and I'm like, are you guys serious? I'm out there, like, about ready to get killed, and you guys are in here just hanging out, like, you're not even worried about me? And then it was the mercy of God that my dad got a job up in the Northwest. And it was like Jesus came in clutch. He, so he snatched me out of the area that I was living in. He snatched me out of the, from the people that I was, I was hanging around and doing all the things that I was doing, smoking weed, like, like all the things that I was doing. And he, he literally snatched me out of that situation and planted me in a place where I had no friends. I had no influences on my life. All I could do was hang out with my family and go to church. And from then on, I never touched weed again. I never, like, went to do those things that I, I was doing. I would never hang out with those kind of people again. I, I changed my life. Why? Because I, I, I got alone with God, and he literally came in clutch, and he just snapped me out of that situation. Some of you might relate to God pulling you out of a situation that, that you were in, and you didn't realize that it was that bad until he pulled you out of it, and you're like, thank you, Jesus. And I want to tell you that Jesus is always looking out for you. And when he, when he snatches you out of a situation, it's at that moment where you don't just say, man, I'm glad that worked out. No, you say, thank you, Lord, for, for coming in clutch. Thank you, Lord, for, for snatching me out just in time. See, God doesn't just want to be this like thing where you just go to him when you have needs. God wants a, a full-on, full-bore relationship with you. See, the thing is, is God knows every intimate detail about your life. We try to hide and act like he does it, but he really does. We try to behave like we, we're hiding things, but you're really not hiding a thing. We try to behave like, when, like I've said this before, like we had that little thing that we, we put in the, the far back of our closet and the, underneath our shoe, the sole of our shoe, and no one knows about it, but it's tucked way back there, and nobody but it knows, but Jesus loves it. I love this, because this, this is what I see when I have this me mental image, is I see this, is I see you like trying to be sneaky, and I see Jesus standing over your shoulder saying, huh, that's nice. <laughs> and you're like, Whew. everybody say, Whew. got away with it. And Jesus is like, oh, need him. Need him. It's all cool. I love you. And you're like, oh, man. And then all of a sudden, the goodness of God hits your heart, and you, feel, you start to feel guilty and shamed of, of how you've been living and what you've been doing. And his goodness is so real and tangible in your heart that all of a sudden you're like, I just want to change, God, because you're so good. I don't want to try to be a better person. I just love you. And because your love is so real and so pure and so, so loving and caring, you hold no like, criticism over me. You just love me. And you love, like, how many of you guys have felt like you had to earn love in life? You have to do the right thing to get the right kind of response. You have to behave a certain way in order to, to make someone feel happy enough to show you that they love you. You know that God's not like that? That's the way the world works. It's not how God works. 
Right? His love is so pure and so good for you. And, it's, and, it's, and it's what can separate us from the love of God? Not nor height, nor depth, nor width, nor, nothing. None, angels or demons, nothing can separate us from the, the love of God. The only thing that separates you from knowing that you're loved by God is when you're looking back at what you did and you're allowing what you did to define you and not God. Some of us, we do things and we, we look back at who we, where we've been and we allow that to define us and we don't allow what God has said about us to define us. To show us who we are in Jesus. So that we can have a solid foundation of identity in Christ. Knowing that, that Christ is our, the center of our identity. Knowing that Christ is the center of who we are. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and delivered Himself up for me. I don't live anymore. I gave my life to Jesus. So that means my opinions too. <laughs> I know you guys love your opinions, but when you're in the presence of God, they really don't matter. <laughs> he goes, geez, you're so harsh. It's okay. You'll get it. Colossians chapter 1, verses 25 through 28. It says this. Um, I, have become, I have become its his servant by, by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. I'm a servant of the commission of God to present to you the gospel of Jesus. Everybody say this. I'm a servant. Of the commission of God. To present to others the gospel of Jesus. See, here's the thing. Like, like we, we go to church and we have this person that gets up by here and they, they have a microphone or they have this thing called a, a podium and they talk to you for an hour and you leave and you're like, oh, that was great. That's so funny. My heart feels good. And you just kind of bump along and do your own thing. But do you get along with Jesus in, in, in a secret place? Do you, get a, do you know God for yourself? Or are you just taking my word for it? I'm going to tell you right now that life is going to change when you get to know God for yourself. And it's going to change for the better. Because then you're going to know the God that, 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 is, that is the God of the universe. The one that speaks directly to you because He, he formed you and made you. See, it's in this relationship. In the gospel is this. It's this good news that God wants to have a relationship with everybody on this planet. It's this good news that you don't have to feel fear, anxiety, or, 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 or depression, or any of those things that you can actually feel whole and made new in Christ Jesus. And that if you are feeling those fear, anxiety, and, and depression, if you are feeling those things, you actually join your heart to Jesus. And when you join your heart to Jesus, you're like, God, I really don't feel like, I, I, I feel this, I feel like that. And Jesus starts to speak his, his, his identity over you, and he starts to show you your, who you are in him. Everybody says, say, I'm made whole in Jesus. So he starts speaking to you and starts making you whole in your heart and in your soul. And you start to realize that maybe he is a good father and he really loves me. Like maybe you haven't had a good natural father, but God is a very good father. And he wants to show you who you are. Don't let your, what you've been through in life define you. Let God define you. What do you think? You're sort of born again. What does that mean? Born again into what? Born again into living my life like I used to live before Jesus? Born again into hanging out with all the same people that were bringing me down and telling me how to live and telling me who I was and, and none of it had to do with my created value. Living like that or is born again something brand new. Right? It's a walk with God. I and mean, when you're a baby, you learn how to what? You learn how to feed yourself. You learn how to, you know, all those things, right? You learn, learn how to grow up. You learn how to walk. You learn how to, so like when you're a baby, you're born into this world into a whole, totally different uh, um, atmosphere. So being born again is like walking from land to, walk, to swimming in water. That's how different it is. But we, we have taken Christianity and made it culture. And made it so, so normal and natural that we just kind of function on this planet. And we, 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 call, we call what's, what's normal uh, uh, the things the world will call normal. But when we understand that we live from a heavenly place to the earth. That our wisdom and our understanding and who we are is made whole in Christ Jesus. We understand that. We actually draw from the supernatural and bring it to our natural. And we live in a totally different playing field. I have an advantage over those in the world. Because I have the one that created it living on the inside of me. You do too. His name is Jesus. He's wonderful. Amen? That's only the first verse. Come on, Jesus. <laughs> uh, verse 26, it says, The, the mystery that has, kept, that has been kept hidden from the ages and generations, but is now disclosed. See, this is the message that he's talking about. That he's been commissioned to talk about, that, that um, disclosed for for the for the Lord's people. 
To, to, um, to them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is, everybody say Christ, Christ. in you. Say Christ, Christ. in my heart. <laughs> he is the hope of glory. Christ is the hope to give God glory through your life lived. Christ living on the inside of your soul to give God glory through your life lived. Not saying I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior, amen, hallelujah, and then you go do what everybody else does. Like literally like giving your life to Jesus, right? And so he says, He is the one we proclaim, admonishing, teaching everyone with all wisdom so that they may present everyone's full, everyone fully matured in Christ. So what, what, is, what should a believer do? We should proclaim. Everybody say proclaim. I mean, speak the gospel of Jesus with no shame. Come on, there we go. Preach it, girl. Right? We speak the gospel of Jesus with no shame. None. Say, no shame in my game. No shame in my game. <laughs> no shame in my game. We admonish. What does admonish mean? It means to warn or encourage others to follow Jesus. What does warn mean? It means this, man, how you're living can hurt you. But I want to encourage you that Jesus wants to have a relationship with you. You admonish them. You, you, you build them up. Like sometimes we need to be torn down a little bit to be rebuilt back up again because sometimes the things that we've built in our life aren't correct. If you start building a house and you get one board off or incorrect, it kind of messes up the whole building, right? So when we understand that God wants to make right what was made wrong, that, that He has to tear down things, that, ways of thinking, ways of being, ways of understanding, ways of feeling, all these things, He wants to tear all that down so that He can rebuild us on a strong foundation in Christ Jesus. So that we know who we are. We know where we're going. So then the third thing is, is we've got to teach. Everybody say teach. teach. Say teach. teach. How about how do you guys like to be taught? No. <laughs> You're like, no, man. Whatever. I want, I want to teach. Good. Teach. Right? Show through demonstration of how to be a disciple of Christ. How many of you guys like to be told what to do? Or how many of you guys are like, look at someone's life and you see them actually doing it? And you're like. I want to do that. Right? How many of you guys watched uh, Justin Bieber and you're like, I am Bieber? No? I want to be Bieber. You don't, oh, you don't, he's not cool anymore? Who's cool? Who's, I don't know. Huh? No? Oh, okay. <laughs> no, no, you won't answer. Oh, because you know it's probably not godly, huh? It's probably something you shouldn't be listening to. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Um, so we, we, as believers, we should proclaim. Everybody say proclaim. Amen. Admonish. Amen. And teach. That's how we live our life. We live our life to proclaim Jesus, not just by our mouth, but by our actions. Because I've seen so many people say one thing and do another. And that ain't cool. Right? And then we should admonish, meaning this, that I, I should care about you enough to, sh to show you where these, these issues are that could actually be fixed and remedied by Jesus being in your life. Right? And then we want to teach them. We want to teach them. We want to disciple them into a life of what it looks like to be a Christian, to be a believer in Jesus. That's the, say, that's the call. Everybody say, that's the call. That's the call. Come on, say, that's the call, that's the call. of every believer. Every say, I'm a believer. I'm, a believer. I'm called. <laughs> you can't get out of it. Quit trying to. Root. I don't feel led by the Spirit of the Lord to do that. I'm just going to do this right here. Come on. Jesus didn't die on the cross for you to have Holy Ghost goosebumps. <laughs> Jesus didn't have, die on the cross for you just to have a good feeling for a moment. Jesus died on the cross so that the whole world would know Him. Right? For God so loved the world. Oh. Come on. He died for the world, right? So we can't be so internally selfish focused with our salvation that we think it's all about us. Say, everybody say, it's not about, it's not about me. me. Say it out loud. Say, it's not about, it's not about me. me. It's about others. Come on. God wants you to shine. He wants your light to shine. The light is the Jesus, the Christ on the inside of you, the mystery. For all the ages that, we, that the Bible has been talking about is this mystery. What is this mystery? It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's Christ in you. So that when you walk in school, you bring hope with you. 
It's Christ in you so that when you walk in the mall or you walk, you walk in the store, you bring Christ, you bring hope in you. And you're a walking, talking advertisement of hope. It's so good. Say this, say, I'm a divine. Say, I'm a divine, I'm a divine experience, experience wherever I go. Why? Because Jesus lives in you. He resides in your heart. He lives there. And you carry the nature of God wherever you go. Like, you have to understand that when you walk in the room because Jesus lives in you, that you actually change the atmosphere. How many of you guys have ever been at a friend's house or, or in, a, in a situation and like this one person walks in the room and everybody's like, Ooh, Is that you guys? Is that, is that you? Like, you walk in the room and it's like, oh. Silence is here. Everybody, shh. <laughs> right? And it, it, it just all of a sudden changes. See, I, 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 when I lived in Spokane, um, I had a pastor named Pastor Vince Shaw, and, and like literally, I'm not joking, this guy just glowed with the Lord. <laughs> like legit, I'm not even like kidding. Like he walked into the room, and you're like, <gasps> not that he was God, but he loved Jesus so much and it was all over his life. Is all over who he was or who he is. He just signed Jesus. He didn't, he didn't fake it. He didn't put on a show. He just demonstrated the love of God because that's what Jesus did in his heart. Changed him. Transformed him. Right? And so my, my heart is this. is I want you guys to, to walk in a room and I want the atmosphere to change. Why? Because the Holy Spirit lives in you. He empowers you to overcome every obstacle. He empowers you to, to know that like, like everybody else is struggling, but I'm so good. Because Jesus is king, and he gives me hope. And the Bible says without hope, you perish. Without, without vision and hope, you perish. You, you have nothing to look forward to. But because we have this hope on the inside of us named Jesus, we have this ability to walk in the room, and everybody's like, you're annoyingly positive. <laughs> Could you quit being so positive? I get that all the time. My wife's like, gosh, you always say, like, the most positive thing. I'm like, babe, God's got this. And she's like, I don't want to hear that right now. <laughs> it's all good. Because when I'm feeling kind of negative, she's the one that's like, babe, God's got this. I'm like, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> right? And we, we work it out to it with each other, right? So, so what happens is this, is that you, you walk in the room and you have friends that don't have this hope that you have. And Jesus is counting on you to be a believer that's going to walk in the room and you're going to proclaim the gospel, admonish them, and teach them who Jesus is by your life, not your mouth. Because you can say a lot of things, but if, you're, if, you're, if, you're, uh, if, you're, if your actions don't cast the check that your mouth is writing, it ain't going to work. <laughs> we don't want no bounce checks. <laughs> you guys are, what's the check? <laughs> it's all good. So the 11th hour, the 11th hour of Christianity means this. The latest possible time before it's too late. It's a phrase that means at the last moment. Jesus is coming in clutch. Like you just, you just, he's just last second. It's like, whoa. Just before, like, it seemed like it was all going to go crazy. Jesus can't step in. It says this in Acts chapter 4, verses 4, uh, 4.12. It says this. There is no one else who has the power to save us. For there is only one name to whom God has given authority by which we must experience salvation. And everybody say, that's Jesus. Jesus. You're not saved by your good works. You're not saved by how much money you give to people. You're not saved by by all the peanut butter and jelly sandwiches you hand out to the homeless camps. You're not saved by, by all the nice things you do for your parents. You're not saved by all the good works. You're not saved by any one of those things. You're only saved by the name of Jesus. He went to the cross for your salvation. What are you saved from? Everybody say myself. <laughs> How many of you guys can get yourself in trouble really good? <laughs> I'm, I'm so good at it, right? If I don't submit my heart to Jesus, then I'll, I'll make a mess of things, right? And so I have to give my life over to God every day. See, we don't go in our own name. We go in the name of Jesus. We don't go in the philosophy of what the idea is about Jesus. We actually walk in the power and the nature of Jesus Christ. Everybody say, I have a power. Come on, say, I have a power. I have an unfair advantage. I have Jesus. 
residing in my soul. Come on. It's the Holy Spirit is the power of God working in you. I want you guys to see this. Like, like, like don't look, don't walk around life like. Come on. You have this thing called the Holy Spirit, the one that was hovering the earth. And check this out. When God spoke it, and then it was, and you know who actually did the work? It was the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit started to move things around, started to create water coming from the earth, and started to create the mountains and, 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 and the animals and all these things. And, and he, created, he created mankind in his own his likeness and his image. And when he breathed into Adam's nostril, he breathed the Spirit, his Spirit, into Adam. So the very breath that you breathe is the Spirit of God working on the inside of your body. Some of us don't acknowledge it. That's okay, I'm teaching you, so now you can so you have this thing on the inside of you called the Holy Spirit so that when you go and you pray for the sick, you're not just praying for the sick and, and just like throwing like prayers in the wind and hopefully that happens. You actually say, Jesus, you paid for it on the cross. I thank you that right now healing is coming to this body. Amen. Jesus' name. I command this, this body to, to, to come into alignment with health right now in Jesus' name. Come on, it's It's powerful. I've seen people get out of wheelchairs. Yeah, I've seen people that have blind eyes. I've seen their eyes opened. I prayed for a girl um, to, about two months ago. Her, her uh, left ear popped open. She was deaf in her left ear. And it popped open. She, she can hear perfectly out of her left ear. Now, there have been times where I prayed and it didn't happen, but does that change the fact that Jesus is still healer? See, we live in a fallen world that Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So when it doesn't happen, it just means this, that the enemy is, 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 is still stealing, he's still uh, killing, he's still destroying. So what does that mean? It means I've got to dig my heels in even further and say, God, this is who you are. Not give up. Not say, well, maybe it wasn't the Lord's will. Well, if it wasn't the Lord's will for her to be healed, then why did Jesus go to the cross? He went to the cross. By his stripes we are. So everything that he took on his back was for nothing. Come on. He did it for a purpose and a reason. We have to believe in what God says and believe who God says he is. And so we don't just believe in Jesus by philosophy or by teaching or by theology or by like what everybody, by culture says. We, we can do this cultural Christianity thing. I'm raised in a house. We go to church. This is what we do as a family. But I really don't know who God is. I really don't want to take the time right now to get to know him. That's I mean, just be honest. Like, I grew up in church, man. I, I know it's all about. But I, but I have, I, I started to actually, right around like 13 years old, I started to get alone with God on my own. And I started to like actually have like visions and dreams and like things that God was showing me that I, I, I didn't think were uh, like, I was like, that's crazy. I don't know how it's going to work out, but it's going to work out. I knew that I was called to preach the gospel from a very young age. Did I always live out my life like a believer? No. But did my dad's decision to change his life, to become a Christian, to raise Christian kids, to love Jesus, change the trajectory of who I am as a person so that I could stand here before you and, and, and to teach you about Jesus? Yes. Your decisions today changes your future. So choose God. Choose Him. Serve Him. Love Him. Not in theory. Not in philosophy. Not in like what you think. But in submission and yielding to who He is. Don't impose your opinion on who God is. You're like, but I, I, I just think this. I'm glad you think. Now yield. <laughs> oh, come on. So you, we, we could, it's called strongholds. Strongholds are thoughts. Have you guys ever talked to somebody and you're trying to teach them something and they just don't want to hear it? They're like, you can't convince me? I, I know. Yep, yep. I'm right. You're wrong. End of story. End of discussion. You guys ever been around someone like that? Okay. <laughs> you, you get around these people that have these like, and then they're, it's like a stronghold in their thinking. You can't move them. Strongholds are not always bad. Some strongholds are good. Some strongholds are, are like, I, I believe in the blood of Jesus. I am firm on that. You can't, sit, you can't change my mind. I believe in the cross that Jesus went to die on the cross for my sins. I'm firm on that. You can't change my mind. I believe that the power of the Holy Spirit is working in and through my life. I have a stronghold in my life, and I, I believe in that. But sometimes strongholds are negative. Sometimes strongholds keep you from seeing who God really is. Because it's what you think. 
And so we have to yield our thoughts to God. My ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. So I yield my ways and my thoughts to you. You have to be submitted to God in every area of your life, not just where you feel like it. (laughs) Because you gave your life to Jesus. No longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Come on. You gave your life to Jesus. It's not about us. We are not God. He is. Amen? Come on. It's good. And that just takes the pressure off of you. Now you don't have to like do all these things and have all these ways of doing things and, and feel like if you don't meet that expectation, you failed. You actually just relax and understand that Jesus is your rest. So good. So there's a story in Acts chapter 3. I'm just going to tell the story for the sake of time. Um, can you put on some, some uh, worship music in the background just quietly? Um, go ahead and use the Spotify thing. Um, it, it says this, As they came to the entrance called, to the gate called Beautiful, there was a, 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 a man that was crippled. This man was crippled and he would sit at this gate. His friends would bring him to this gate every day. And he would sit at this gate every day. And he'd beg for money. He'd ask, ask them to give him money. Ask them to, you know, hey, I'm, I'm, don't you see I can't walk? Don't you see that I'm stuck here? Like I need help. Like the, every day he was begging for them to give, them, give, give him something. Right? And so every day he was looking for, for a handout. Right? And, and so, so Peter and John were walking to the temple, to the gate called Beautiful. And this temple is like a church. Right? It's like a, it's like a synagogue. Right? And so, because they're, they're all Jewish back in those days. So the, he was sitting at this, this gate just before the entrance into the, the church. And he's sitting there and he's begging for money because he's just looking for a handout. His whole perspective was, I'm in need, I'm broken, I can't walk, I can't do anything for myself, I count on my friends to even bring me here so that I can ask for money. Right? And Peter and John are walking up and as they're walking up, they see these guys and their eyes lock. Have you guys ever been in in a community and you see somebody and all of a sudden like your heart just goes, oh, I gotta do something for that person. Like maybe it's give them a granola bar, maybe it's like give them five bucks, or maybe it's pray with them, or maybe it's, it's just an act of kindness, or whatever it may be. You just feel a tug in your heart like, oh, i got to do something. And so I want to I tell you this, that, that Peter and John, their eyes locked with this guy, and it's like their, their heart was instantly moved with compassion. See, I, wanna, I want you guys to understand this. This is Acts chapter 3. In Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit showed up. In the upper room. In that upper room experience, what happened was is this. Is the Holy Spirit showed up in power. And it started to show them who they are in, in, in God. What Jesus paid for is now the Holy Spirit working in and through their lives. Right? And so they're walking up to this, this temple, to the gate called Beautiful. And it's their eyes locked with this guy that's, that's in, in, a, in a crippled state of mind. Now that crippled state of mind can be so many different things. We can talk about that from different angles and say like, you know, somebody that's stuck in sin has a crippled set mindset on how they live their life. The, the way they think, the way they behave, how they, who they are, their maladaptive behaviors of, of, of negative behaviors and thoughts and, and addictions and different things that they, they've learned to, to do. And so, so we could talk about it from that place of, of being crippled in, in yourself. We could talk about being crippled in your emotions because of, past, of being a victim of certain situations. We could talk about it from, from the this, this standpoint of, of crippled by, by just wanting to feel something that you've never been able to feel. And, you, and you, so you do things in your life that, that create you to feel. Like some people cut themselves. Some people don't eat their eat food. Some people uh, starve themselves. Some people do all these different things so they can feel, so they, so they can feel good about themselves. So they have this mentality. They, they're crippled in their mind. They're crippled in their emotions. So this guy is sitting here all the time begging for money, trying to get a handout from somebody. That's not, that's not, not a big deal. I'm not dogging that. I'm just saying this. That when as Peter and John were walking up to them, he, he said this. He said, please, can I, have some, can I have some coins? Can I have some money? And, and, and Peter looked at him in the eyes and he said, silver and gold I have not, but what I have I give to you. Grabbed him by the hand, he said, rise and walk. He said, rise and walk. And so he grabbed the hand of, of this, this man that was crippled. Pulled him up out of his situation of being crippled. His whole mindset was crippled. His whole idea about his reality was from down here. I can't stand on my own two feet. This is all I know. All I know is being crippled. He couldn't get up and walk. He'd have to scoot. 
Or he had to have someone carry him. His whole mindset was like, I, I, I'm limited to what I can do based on what I have. Many of us might feel limited to what we could do based on what we have or what we think we have. But when someone comes by because God, this person believes in the commission of Jesus and they understand that they're now the representation of Jesus on this planet and they walk in that situation and they come in clutch just at the last second where you're like, this is my life, I'm just some settled in, this is what's going on. And they come in that last second and they pick you up out of that situation, that circumstance. It's the hand of God and everybody, I want you guys to understand that that is you. You're like Peter and John, the disciples. Or now the apostles. That because Jesus lives in you, because the power of the Holy Spirit resides in your soul, you have the ability to walk into a situation and a circumstance by faith in who the God that you serve is, who the God that you love is. And you have the ability to walk in that situation and by faith speak who God is and speak His nature and bring His reality into a natural situation that looks like it wouldn't work out on every natural idea. But you have this unfair advantage, this supernatural advantage when you walk into a place. It's called the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. And you can be that person that comes in clutch just at the last second, just like Jesus always does. So he, he grabs this guy by the hand, picks him up. He said, you're good now. Now you don't have to be crippled. Now you don't have to live like that anymore. Now you don't have to have that mentality anymore. You actually can stand up on your own two feet. And it says this, the guy started to dance around and jump around and shout. And he was super excited. How many of you guys know that if you were stuck on the ground and you couldn't get up, you'd be a little excited? Once you stood up. How many of you guys know that the, the, the lady that I saw get out of a wheelchair was just sitting in the wheelchair, was there for about two years. Snapped her back in a car accident. She gets out of the wheelchair and just starts walking. Hadn't walked in two years. Right in the middle, no one touched her, no one prayed for her. She just gets out of the wheelchair and she's just walking. Slowly. Within six months, she was training for marathons. What? Yes. She went and had x-rays, and the doctor said, I don't even see scar tissue on your spine. Literally, God gave her a brand new spine. You're going to look at me like, I don't believe that. Well, I don't care. I saw it. <laughs> you, can't, you can't convince me. <laughs> I saw it with my own two eyes. I saw her get out of the wheelchair. I saw her get wheeled in. I, in fact, I know the person that wheeled her in personally. And he said, yes, she's one of my best friends. She got in a horrible car accident two years ago. And he's the one that told me that she's been training for marathons. And I'm like, oh my goodness. Changed her perspective on life. She couldn't run a marathon six months prior. Until Jesus came in and stepped in the last very second. He stepped in the last very second. And changed the circumstance. And just like Jesus can step in, you can step in too because Jesus lives on the inside of you. So they picked him up and he's, he's celebrating. He's jumping around. And I love this part about this, this, this passage. It says this. It's in uh, Acts chapter 3 verses 1 through 10. It says that as he was jumping around all excited, the people around him saw him. And they were like this. Wait, isn't that the one that was just sitting there begging? Right, wait. Did, did he just, he was just sitting there every day. We walked past this guy. He, how is he doing this? See, miracles prophesy or speak of the goodness of God. What would happen if you walk in the room and, and all of a sudden and, and, and you lay hands on somebody and they get better or, or their life changes and transforms and they're like, isn't that the one? Isn't that the one that last week they were doing this and last week they were living like this and last week they were, they're, they're, their ideas were like this? But what the heck happened to them? Now their life being changed and transformed and Jesus starts to speak to other people. They start to see the goodness of God. They start to see why. Because one person stepped out in faith and shared the love of Jesus and shared the nature of God in a situation and changed the perspective of not only that person but everybody else that was around them. Have you guys ever heard the, the, the concept of dropping a pebble in a pond? The ripples just grow out. One, one action creates a whole ripple effect. Your action of, of love, your action of compassion, your action of, of what you do in the spirit realm is like, it's like that pebble that hits the pond and just creates a chain reaction, a, 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 the ripple effect of how it affects other people. 
It, it affects that person, then it affects that person, and everybody that's in their lives, and then it affects all the people in their lives, and it keeps growing and growing and growing. And then we understand that our life actually is more impactful than just the one person that we're talking to. And so this guy, he gets up, and I love this part. I love this part right here. So he, he, he starts influencing everybody else by the miracle that God, that, that God just did in his life through, through Peter. And it says this, he got up, and he walked in the temple on his own. See, before he was counting on everybody else. But now because God put a surety in his legs and gave him a different perspective on, on life and where he was at, he now was able to enter the temple on his own and go in there and be a part of what God was doing. His perspective was no longer crippled. His perspective was no longer broken. His perspective was like, I could do this. Thank you, Peter, for stepping out. Thank you, Peter, for being a friend. Thank you, Peter, for, for showing me the love of God. Thank you, Peter, for, for being, being obedient to what God has called us all to do. Now, I want to go do that for other people. See, what Peter did for him affected other people. It changed the very nature of, of things. See, the, the, here's the thing. That after that situation, Peter and, and, and John actually were, were condemned by the, the, the religious sect of the time. And they actually went and were put in jail for healing a guy. Right? They're put in jail for healing a guy. That's just because that was, that was the culture of where they were at in that time. And they, they, they suffered for the gospel. Now, we don't like to talk about suffering because suffering is not fun. But I guarantee you that if we live with the mentality of eternity, that suffering is only a moment. For me to live as Christ and to die as gain. Whether I live on this planet, I'm living for Him. If I die, I go to heaven. Can't kill me. <laughs> See, struggle is for a moment, but I live for eternity. See, sometimes struggle becomes our, we think it's eternity. <laughs> this sucks. I don't like this. This hurts. Stop. <laughs> Giving your little brother a noogie. <laughs> Stop. In that moment, he's like, this whole life is being wrapped up in your... <laughs> I have a question. Yeah. So, when the disciples were um, maybe put in prison, they were beaten, they were killed, they're preaching and fulfilling people in God's name. Why would what were the reasons? Well, the reasons but why would the Pharisees put them in jail for that? Because it was against their law. So they would they would heal like on the Sabbath, for example. The Sabbath was considered a day where you did nothing, and and so they were saying you're doing works on the Sabbath, so you're breaking the law. And so the, and then Jesus was proclaiming that he was the Son of God, and so they didn't like him for that because that's heresy. You can't proclaim that you're the Son of God, like. So they had this whole religious mentality that was the opposite of who Jesus is and what Jesus came to bring. See, Jesus came to tear down cultural behaviors, cultural mentality, so that we can understand that he wants to live within us and be that we are the church, that we are, we are the hands and feet of Jesus, that wherever we go, he is with us, and that as we share this thing, so, so they, they felt like, he, they felt like this Jesus was taking over and was, was creating a... A stirring in people that was making them lose the authority or the, the ability to control people the way they had it before. And so Jesus was taking the control, Jesus was taking the control away from them so that they, they felt like they had no more control. And so how many of you guys know when people are in control and someone starts to take that away from them they're like, wait a minute. You agree or you got something to say? Uh, no, I agree. Okay, amen. Yeah. They don't like that, right? And so and, for, and can I have, hey, can, uh, Tristan, can you put some, some music on, please? Oh, cool. Um, you guys want to hum? No, I'm joking. First <laughs> Peter chapter 4, verse 16, it says this. If you suffer for being a Christian, don't consider it a disgrace, but a privilege. Glorify God because you carry the anointed one's name. Like when people make fun of you for loving Jesus... Don't feel disgraced. They, they, they don't define you. He does. When people dog on you, oh, you're just this or you're just that, that's all I, I love Jesus, man. Like, 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 
<laughs> I, I say it all the time, and, I, and, and, and like, like there's moments where I'm like life is getting rough or whatever, and I just stop for a second, and I tune into the the secret place of my heart, the very core of who I am, and I just I just start loving on Jesus from the depths of my soul, <laughs> from the very depths of my soul. <laughs> Okay, I just tune into the very the depths of my soul where Jesus is. Oh my God! <laughs> <laughs> this is awesome. I just start tuning into who God is on the inside of my heart, and all of a sudden, like my perspective changes, and I don't have to go and and try harder. I don't go have to go and try to make things happen. I just realize that God lives on the inside of my heart, and I find my source there. When people speak over me that has nothing to do with God, I just look at them and I just go, nice. Here's the thing, when people are talking like that, they're broken. They wouldn't treat you in that way if they had it all together. They would care about you. But because they behave that way, it just shows they're broken. So instead of hurting because of them, I actually hurt for them. Man, if they only knew who they were in Jesus, they wouldn't behave like that. And then you just show them love. That's why Jesus said, love your enemies. Bless those that persecute you. If someone hits you on one cheek, give them the other cheek. If someone asks for your shoes, give them your coat too. That's the, the attitude of a Christian is surrender. The attitude of a Christian is yield. The attitude of a Christian is, I don't got it all together, but I have Jesus, and that gives me all I need. The attitude of a Christian isn't, isn't like perfection. The attitude, like, like the, the pinnacle of, a, of a, a believer is full submission to Jesus. You may get in like awesome circumstances and awesome uh, uh, opportunities to share the gospel or, or to get a job you want to get or be in a career you want to be in or, or get the grades you want to get in school or whatever you may be, whatever you may be shooting for. But the, the optimal place of a Christian is submission and yielding to God. And when you find yourself in that position in every circumstances, whether you're up here or you're down here, you're good. Because you're fully surrendered and submitted to God. Amen? Stand to your feet.